0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic and I host this here podcast, which you can find everywhere you do your podcasting. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Uh, and of course, you can find me on The Athletic at theathletic.com or get the app. Hopefully you guys are subscribing there and to the podcast. Uh, happy Super Bowl hangover day, Monday um uh we're gonna talk a little bit about the Super Bowl but a lot about the Washington football team and the quarterback carousel that's out there with our friend Kevin Sheehan from the team 980 980 and the Kevin Sheehan show podcast also by the time you guys are hearing this um a a new article that I have up on the website is will be live I think it's actually live right now uh, that is one I did about the quarterbacks not just with Washington, but what's kind of going on around the league. I did that with two of my colleagues, Joe uh, Joe Person, who covers the Panthers. He's been on this podcast. Zach Kiefer, one of our Indianapolis Colts writers. It's It's too easy to just say, well, here's where Washington is at, because if you're only looking at that, at that one piece of it, you're missing the full story. And there's a big story out there right now, since half the league is in some sort of quarterback conundrum, to varying degrees, whether that maybe they solve things in the draft or for agency or via trade, but there's a bunch of teams out there that clearly are interested in making moves. So there's plenty of Washington talk in the article and I'll get to some more here. And Kevin and I get into that as well, but hopefully you guys check out the article. Uh, we get into the Carson Wentz situation at the moment. He has not been traded. <laughs> Carson Wentz, uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously da- uh, Dak Prescott, uh, Sam Darnold, James Winston, Cam Newton, and others I think there was about 12 quarterbacks in total and, and, and a few team specifics that we got into including the Colts the Panthers the Bears the Eagles and so on so hopefully you guys will check that out and subscribe to the athletic um, I, I don't want to step on the conversation I just had with Kevin always a fun time and got into some things about uh, some things about the Super Bowl um, obviously um, I predicted. Well, I should say, obviously, I did predict Tampa Bay to win. Admittedly, it was a little bit of a contrarian situation, but you know, it's uh, there. There were reasons along the offensive line, uh, along the line of scrimmage, I should say, that, that that made me think that Tampa Bay could do it. Definitely didn't think thirty-one to nine. I don't know who who, who thought that, uh, other than maybe people in uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> or, but regardless, props to the Bucks. Uh, you know this remarkable what what Brady uh, has done continues to do at his age it's 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 uh, you know it's quite it's quite remarkable for uh, for for sure uh, lots of new listeners I imagine here to the podcast and I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast obviously I say a lot of new uh, new subscribers I would I would think because we had a lot of people check out the Jay Gruden uh, podcast. From last week, and definitely got a lot of got a feedback and interest on that. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, you know, Jay did a great job. He you know he is who he is, and he and he's a, a candid guy and a funny guy, and that came across in the podcast. Uh, but we've had a bunch of good guests recently: uh, Washington rookie running back Antonio Gibson, former Wizard Center Martin Gortat, uh, Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean. Uh, who else? Uh, quarterback coach uh, Quincy Avery, who's the quarterback coach for Deshaun Watson, Dwayne Haskins and uh, 2021 prospect Trey Lance. You can find all those on the podcast. And, and, you know, if you are new, you know, check out check out what we've got going on here uh, for sure. Uh, I'm going to, I guess, sort of, to be honest, this is the second intro that I did to the podcast. I did one earlier, and I have a new mic situation. Hopefully it sounds a little bit better, or hopefully a lot better. Um but in doing so, I had to sort of redo this. So I, I've already kind of forgot what I did the first time, and I don't want to step on my interview with Kevin. So I'm going to stop stalling and just get and just get to it. But like I said, we're going to get it a lot into the quarterback situation for for sure. Uh, if you, I, I think maybe it makes sense at some point to turn this the conversation over to you guys by way of a mailbag or even maybe. Maybe if it's not even on the podcast, doing sort of a one-off situation where maybe we can set up a Zoom call to have people uh, uh, get on the call with me and uh, get on a call with me and, you know, just talk about the Washington football team, maybe some draft or or whatever. Um, If you guys are interested in either of those things, you want to throw me a mailbag question or you want to tell me you've got some interest in doing some sort of Zoom like that, you can hit me up. Uh, B standing, Standig, S T A N D I G, at theathletic.com. If you want to tweet me some mailbag ideas, how about go hashtag uh, S R O mailbag? So, Standig Room Only Mailbag. We'll try that and see what happens. But I'll do a more formal mailbag announcement at some point on Twitter as well. All right, so let's get to it. My conversation with Kevin Sheen from the Team 980, talking Super Bowl, talking Washington quarterbacks and talking more about what's about to come ahead in the offseason for the football team here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. All right, joining the podcast, as promised, one of the absolute main voices in the Washington, D.C. market. I was having a discussion today with somebody who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Washington, D.C. media, all time and current. I won't ask him to weigh in on the current, but he'll be in the discussion, I think. Kevin Sheehan. Stop it. Well, i'm Ken, saying current i'm not saying all the time you're, like, you're not being Ken, Ken
1: beatrice yeah i'm saying current not warner all time. wolf glenn brenner george michael i mean they're 15 20 people before you get to me well
0: no that all you know all time you don't make the cut
1: i mean we got to also
0: factor okay. like shirley povich uh yeah you know, right tom tom boswell tom i guess boswell. Would have to be in, you know i mean like kornheiser to some degree right will bond and I'm not coroner to some degree, maybe or but yeah, but no, but I'm saying uh, the little the-
1: junior, we got to mention junior, God forbid he listens to this podcast. <laughs> we don't mention him. I'll get some sort of lengthy email lecturing me for so, not uh, mentioning him in the, in the, uh, in the conversation, which by the way, he would deserve it. He would totally deserve it.
0: Somebody was trying to goad me into starting off a, a, a fight by doing the local version. Well, I think they were trying to get, get me to start fights either way, but the, but doing like, who's the current, who Mart was restaurant? doing this? Oh, Somebody else in the media just having fun with me. Um, okay, but uh, but like yeah, the current a current listening of the Matt Rushmore would be of course comical on multiple levels and would lead to arguments. So of course I will logically do this at some point during the off when I get bored.
1: Uh, but, oh but, great, can't wait.
0: And and uh, but, but but here we are now. The season is the NFL 2020 season is officially over. We're talking the morning after the Super Bowl. Um, I don't want to get into a a ton of the game because, you know, there's other places for that. And I'm sure you can listen to Kevin, of course, on 80 or on his podcast, the Kevin Sheehan Show. I'm sure he and I don't know if you have Cooley Cooley on today. I'm sure you guys will talk about it in great detail. I I I did want to bring up one thing and obviously props to Tampa Bay. I picked them to win. Admittedly, it was a a bit of a contrarian view, but the the line play to me was also something of of note. Um, But I I do want to get into one thing. Late in the game, when obviously it was clear Tampa was going to win, and Tony Romo started talking about the goat debate, and he said, "You know, if Mahomes had won, it would have been six to two, and six is doable. So maybe he catches Brady. But now it's seven <laughs> to one; he would have to get to eight. And I, I wanted to like vomit on so many levels with that. For-, for first of all, the idea of six is kept is doable. What are you talking about? it's not doable at all. He, yes, I know Tom Brady did it, but like, what what is it? One other, what, one franchise has six? I mean, the Patriots and uh, is it the Patriots just by themselves or the Steelers too? I mean, Steel,
1: st- Steelers and Patriots, right? Yeah.
0: Like, like two teams in the history of the sport have six. You're going to say that Mahomes, it's, it's easy to do, get out of here. And then when he goes, it's good now seven to one, meaning Mahomes has to get to eight. He, he, he outlined right there the fundamental misunderstanding of this GOAT debate that has gone on now for the last, I don't know, decade or two that is incredibly frustrating. And you know, as somebody who's weighed in heavily over the years on the Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, Michael Jordan versus LeBron, like, and I, and I tweeted this last night and people clearly didn't understand it. It is not the number of rings. It is who is better. What the, what the F, it's just who's better. And I know that is a subjective aspect of this, but like, like Tom Brady is great all the time. There are quarterbacks who I've seen play at a higher level. Aaron Rodgers being one of them, but Brady is great all the time. And on top of it, he has the accomplishments. Patrick Mahomes could get four and be viewed as the best of all time. If he is playing at a level that is so outlandish, right? I mean, he, it's not, it's not that he, you don't need eight to be Brady. If, unless you think that way, which clearly Romo and many others do. And it was driving me crazy.
1: Well, I think that part of this conversation comes back to, you know, what do championships, how important are they in your evaluation in a greatest of all time conversation? And in football, you know, these positions, quarterback in particular, are so dependent um, upon the rest of the team. I um, I did a thing maybe two weeks ago, maybe it was right after the championship games, uh, where I said, look, Brady's clearly, what's not debatable, even for, you know, three seconds, is that he's the most accomplished uh, NFL player of all time. Right. Um, he's, he is, there's just nobody that's come close to his overall, uh, you know, work in terms of accomplishment. Now, qualitatively, we've all watched football for a long period of time. For me, Brady, if I didn't, and I, and I, basically couch the conversation if you didn't know what his Super Bowl results were you knew that he made it to the playoffs you knew he had some playoff success but you didn't know what happened in the AFC championship games and then in the Super Bowl where would he be well then you get into you know as you watch these guys what did you think of them well I mean Elway for me was always my number one before I sort of elevated Brady to that level because of the accomplishment Marino, to me, he went to one Super Bowl, never went back. But if you watched him play, you just know how great he was. Um, and, and there, look, Aaron Rodgers, over the last you know, decade plus, he's spectacular. And all of those guys, if you didn't know Brady's accomplishments beyond the championship games, um, you probably have them at his level or, or beyond. But it doesn't matter because in terms of accomplishment, Brady's arguably the the greatest team sport uh, 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 athlete of all time in terms of, of his accomplishments. Obviously, Bill Russell's in the conversation, you know, DiMaggio's in the conversation, Jordan's in the conversation, DiMaggio. Um, but, you know, Brady doing it in this sport where it's one and done postseason, where it's such a dependent position, where it changes so much in terms of of your teammates, where the competitive landscape is built for parity, et cetera. Um, Yeah, I mean, nobody – I mean, I think he's, in terms of accomplishment, the greatest team sports athlete of all time. I think – you know, I I can't speak to Russell. I know Tommy always makes the case – makes the argument with me that because the league was smaller, it meant that the best of the best he had to compete with, and he had to compete with Wilt Chamberlain And to win 11, you know, uh, as he did, um, is just, you know, no one will ever match that. Well, I mean, I don't know. How much longer is Brady going to play? But back to the Mahomes thing, I was listening to that as well. And I'm like, oh, God, this is late game blowout talk. Like, And Tony gets a little bit, you know, I think his one weakness is just numbers in general. Like at one point he asked Nance, if they kick a field goal here, what's the lead? And Nance had to tell him. 31-9 to is 22 points. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the thought that Mahomes, if he had won and he's down 6-2, is still going to somehow catch Brady is preposterous because the odds are heavily stacked against it. I mean, mean, just as an example,
0: Tom Brady in his 40s has won two Super Bowls. So, okay, so just to take the, so those two, that would tie him for, like, fourth all-time with people like Peyton Manning yeah. uh, and Bart Starr. Like, all-time he would be second just based on the 40s. And we're going to say, right, anybody's going to – it's not hard to catch him? Get out of here. Um.
1: I, also, ben, I also, Ben, think that the argument leading up to the game that somehow the Brady versus Belichick um, discussion is over – is so overrated. Belichick had a team this year that was, first of all, in cap hell, had many players opt out, lost his Hall of Fame quarterback, and maybe that's their fault. But I would, to me, that this was a partnership for 20 years. And by the way, we've got a little bit of a track record in Belichick before Brady as a defensive coordinator for the Giants, you know, in, in on two different teams. Yes, he had LT. I understand that. Um, but it was it was an equal, um, equally weighted, co- you know, contribution partnership. And it's not going to surprise me at all if Belichick figures out a way to make New England super competitive next year or the year after.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, look, they got to get a quarterback. I mean, Cam Newton was, uh, you know, not 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 what the, the MVP level of Cam Newton. Um, and by the way, I will just say and we, I promise we're going to talk about Washington here in a second. Uh, but with regards to Brady, I, I heard this mentioned last night by Lewis Riddick, and, and it's a, you know, it was a good point. It's a good reminder. You know, when we talk about the best, we, we, you know, we, we're often talking about you know, who makes the best throw We look at statistics. But that leadership component is very important. And, and, and I, this actually does bring us to, to Washington in a second. But um, Lewis Riddick was making a point. Tom Brady came to a team a franchise that had not been to the playoffs is since like, I thought like 2007, I mean, it's been a, it's been a long minute and yes, they, they did have more talent than a team that didn't make the playoffs a year ago. When you look at those receivers, when you consider the defensive line, like, uh, you know, the linebackers, like those things weren't just added with Tom Brady, but when Tom Brady came, you did get Brady. You did add Gronkowski. You did in Antonio Brown. But the point is that even during a pandemic, all that stuff, these these other people who were already there easily could have been like hey i get it you're tom brady but you know you're not just going to come in here and do what we do you're not going to tell me what to do you're you're new whatever they came he came in got everybody to buy in his ego is clearly not so large that he's like look out get out of my way he gets these guys to buy in even during a pandemic when you can't be normal with each other they all clearly bought in and he he himself essentially to some degree i mean credit to Bruce Arians and all that, but he essentially willed that team to that position. He even got the head coach to say, yeah, what do you want to do? Fine. Let's do that. Bruce Arians had to put his own self in check. And yet, I mean, and that says so much. It isn't just about accomplishment because accomplishment, you can be an asshole. It is about who is the guy. And he as a guy clearly is a leader of men and players respond to him. And I don't think that can be understated in these conversations. Then for example, with like an Aaron Rodgers, you do hear a lot, a guy I love, but you do hear a lot of people saying, "eh, I don't know." That guy's a pain in the ass. That guy's a, that guy's that guy's trouble at times. Whatever you you don't hear that with Brady ever. And if it's the, it's the opposite, he got these guys to play at a level that this organization hadn't played in in years.
1: Romo made a comment during the game, and I forget during what portion of the game it was. Tom won't take any cre- credit for this. The thing that he does great, and all le- all leaders do this is they accept the blame, but never um, the, the credit. And they push the credit to everybody else. And they do it in a way that comes off as very genuine because it's who they really are. And if you listen to a lot of the other players after the game last night, their respect for him is off the charts. Now, you get that all the time after you know winning a Super Bowl to begin with. But how, but how about some of the former players in New England? Like every single person that's ever played with him um, was happy for him um, so the intangible thing in sports especially and at that position which you could argue is the most important position in all of team sports is something like we as media people and fans don't always recognize like we don't do the like, it, look I'll take Dwayne Haskins as an example you know, we can watch and we can make an evaluation based on what we see, but we're not involved in the interviews. We're not involved in all the due diligence and the conversations with coaches. And then when he is a part of the team, we, you know, people like you and me hear stuff and we talk to people who will tell us stuff, but we don't know how bad it really is in terms of the lack of maturity and lack of leadership and how important that is at that position. Well, Brady's nailed it. You know, he's nailed it over the years and, you You know, we've seen so many examples, you know, just how about here? RG3 and Haskins, right? RG3, impossible to coach, um, totally self-absorbed. And yet during that rookie year when he was killing it, we didn't know all of that until, you know, we got towards the end of the year and then in the off season and that there were, you know, everybody bought in, but there were always some, you know, eye rolls as to some of the things he did and said and, and, you know, we don't know all that. Um, look, Car- the, the article on Carson Wentz, the column from, uh, I forget the guy's name in Philadelphia who writes for the Enquirer. Yeah, Jeff McLean. Yeah, McLean, about what a pain in the ass Carson Wentz is. I found that incredible. Like, I'd never heard anything about that. But that sort of speaks to the Peterson feeling about Wentz maybe, that he was very difficult to coach, that he was not, you know, the easiest of teammates to get along with like all of that stuff at that position, you know, does matter. And, um, I don't know. I mean, Rogers, you're right. What you said about Rogers. I know that a lot of, you know, uh, Marina was super tough on his teammates out as was rivers, but all of those guys that played with, with those two guys totally respected him. I think there's, um, there's a, there's a, there can be sort of this single mindedness when it comes to toughness and demand but ultimately the guys have to perform your best players have to perform but really they've got to be your best workers too and then there has to be a level of self awareness and you know the ability to not ever throw anybody else under the bus when there's adversity But to take that on you, you know, that's what you see from the great ones. They accept the blame. They pass on the credit and they end up being not only your best performers, but your best workers, too. You know, the guys that coaches can point to and say, yeah, you can't get away from coming in late and leaving early because our best player doesn't do that.
0: Yeah, I used, during the season, I, I pointed to uh, Chase Young and Tara McLaurin from the standpoint of not only are they obvious, obvious physical talents, athletic talent, but it's what they're doing off the field that is why I think they could be special, and I pointed to sort of your, I, th- I know I used the Spurs as an example, and I may have used the Brit- the Patriots as well, because for me, like Brady and Duncan were the two guys that I always gravitated towards in those respective sports, and probably for some of those reasons, that it wasn't just that they're really good, but they they helped build the culture that was a, that that turned in that turned them into the level of champions that they became. It wasn't just they were the best player or whatever. It was they worked the hardest. Their coach is going to yell at them. They accept it. And when you see that, what else are you going to do? And yes, it was jarring about Haskins, but that also brings up to, to to spin this to Washington. You know, part of the part of what made Alex Miss successful. Clearly, all the players on this team and the coaching staff love this guy who couldn't be based on his. Uh, comeback story other than i guess maybe the one associated press voter who voted for ben Roethlisberger <laughs> as comeback player of the year over alex smith which that person should be flogged in a public square um i'm kidding i think uh but rivera in talking about the quarterback situation and and, and herney and, and Mayhew did as well they mentioned leadership i i i transcribed this i actually think i transcribed this from your interview with Rivera on 980 uh, the other day, which I would say, encourage people to go listen to, and I'll just paraphrase, or I'll, I'll just use a little bit of this. You asked him, I think, what's the most important thing you're looking for from a quarterback? Mm-hmm. And I believe his answer was, quote, I think the biggest f- thing for us is leadership on the field, in the clubhouse, out in public. The guy has to set an example for the team, and he's got to be the complete leader. The next thing, more so than anything else, has to be talent. Now, it may be easy on some level, this is me now. It may be easy on some level to say ideally you want leadership over talent. It's pretty hard to argue some guy could be a great leader and can't throw versus some guy has, you know, like, like Dwayne Haskins has the physical talent. You hope he grows into the leadership. But clearly, I think in general, Rivera probably thinks this way. And after this season, he probably really thinks this way because the, the, the Dwayne and Alex things were so the, the, the contrast was so jarring. But that all leads now to what happens next with this quarterback spot because obviously we've all discussed there's not much out there there's some things who are sort of interesting and there are definitely upgrades over what they have but it's not the same as saying these guys are such massive hits that you're going to go all in and you're definitely going to go from seven wins to 10 or 11 but do they have the leadership you mentioned Carson Wentz as we're talking right now we're waiting for him to get traded I forget he's not coming here you wouldn't think because of the division but like as you said, there's questions about his leadership. Do you? Yeah, want- he's
1: not coming here because of the because of the risk of it being the wrong culture fit. Right. By the way, um, you know the leadership thing about Rivera. He's mentioned that going back to last January. But one of my favorite, um, or I, not not necessarily favorite, but one of the most telling um, conversations that I've had in the last years. I had Gibbs on. I don't know when it was. It was after Rivera had been hired. It may have been in the spring at some point. And I asked him about Haskins and Gibbs, who is, you know, always super, you know, positive, upbeat, glass half full, encouraging, said, well, the biggest question there is leadership. Dwayne's going to have to prove that he can be a leader. It's a position in which you have to have great leadership. It was almost like he was echoing, echoing Rivera, but also simultaneously voicing the same concern that Rivera had the beginning about, uh, uh, from the beginning about Dwayne, which is neither one of them. You know, if if you and if you listen to these interviews, even going back to, to to the beginning of the year, neither one of them was very confident that Dwayne had the intangibles, which is why Ben, you know, these conversations that we had in, in the early portion of the year when he got benched after four weeks, I just said, look, this is bullshit. You know, this was sort of a sham. I mean, they, he knew deep in his gut that it wasn't the right fit. He should have traded him when he had a chance to get something for him. And in my interview with him the other day, I said, when did you really know? And he, you know, he he got to the week four thing when they benched him and said the standings, you know, in the division and the whole thing. And then I said, you know, if you knew then, why didn't you trade him before the deadline when you may have been able to get something for him? And he admitted that they tried to, but there was nobody interested well, yeah. Remember, they threw him under the bus publicly when they benched him and they didn't really help their efforts as far as that's concerned. I guess, you know, it was another as we think about this, I know that he said a lot of the right things about Dwayne over the summer and said that he won the job. But his instincts were this guy didn't have the the, the culture or the intangibles to be our long term starting quarterback. But there's no way I, I don't think he could have gotten away with trading him before he, he ever played a game for him because of the owner. By the way, the other thing Rivera said, I asked him to define franchise quarterback, and I've never heard it defined this way, but I thought it was interesting. He said, when he plays great, he shreds you. When he plays well, he beats you. When he plays poorly, he's got a chance to beat you. you know, and he, and then I, And he put Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes – into that right, it was Rogers and Mahomes, or maybe it was Brady. No, it's Brady and Mahomes. He put Brady and, and Mahomes into that category. Now, that may have been because they were the upcoming Super Bowl quarterbacks, but he's he's looking for the intangibles. Don't get don't get me wrong, but he's also looking for the guys that can make plays, you know, and key, and not play well, and yet you still have a chance to win. And I think you know, getting to what you're about to get to they are looking to upgrade, period. Like, I know a lot of fans were so excited about Tampa winning the Super Bowl and how close Washington was to beating them in a wild-card game with Taylor Heineke. Um, You know, Ron, Martin, and Marty are looking to upgrade at quarterback, period. They know how important it is. Whether or not they'll be able to pull it off, I don't know. They tried for Stafford. According to Ian Rappaport, this was news to me. I don't know if it was news to you. They actually tried for Goff um and now you know the issue is whether or not Darnold will be available and whether or not they'll pursue him
0: yeah I had not heard about golf I, I had neither. I, I don't know what to make of that I mean what does it try hey what's what's his status versus like if you guys get Stafford what's his deal again like, you know, I don't know like they, I don't know if they are for action trade but but whatever um but but yeah I mean um so yeah, so the, 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 this whole situation, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, my take, you know, for a while, uh, you know, but then you know, reading between the lines was like I bought the Stafford line immediately because it, it you know, the, there's just it, the, the, they obviously need an upgrade over what they have, and we'll get to some of the Kyle Kyle Allen and Heineke part in a second. But they needed an upgrade, and Stafford offered not just that he would be the best guy, but he offered the highest floor. You knew what you get with Stafford. Everybody else that's left, from Carson Wentz to Sam Darnold to, you know, Cam Newton, if you want to put him in there, Derek Carr, whomever. Like, Derek Carr probably has the highest floor of those other guys, but just in general, nobody else. It's, you're not 100% feeling like this guy automatically puts you over the top the way that Stafford, while there are some questions with him, Gives you more of that of that feeling, and and by the time people hear this, hopefully there'll be up uh, an article up on the uh, on the Athletic that I wrote yesterday with two of our other writers, uh, Joe Person who covers the Panthers and Zach Kiefer who covers the Colts, where we kind of examined from what we've been hearing about all the different quarterback uh, you know rumors. Like it basically the gist was it's not enough just to say well what's Washington thinking. You got to look what everybody else is thinking too. Because if Carson Wentz goes to the Colts, well, now the Colts are off the table and, you know, that's one less team. But, you know, uh, if, if something else happens or they wait on Carson Wentz, then all these teams are still sort of panicking for quarterbacks to some degree. Panic is a strong word, but you know what I mean? They're all looking into it pretty aggressively um, and, and trying to trying to figure this out. And part of the issue in talking to people around the league, including GMs, is, it you know, everybody wants to love their quarterback. The guy they have for a lot of teams, you can't even like the guy you have because it, 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 because it's not, it's not an easy, it's such a complicated position for all the reasons that Rivera said it's on and off the field, but like, can this person be a difference maker? And for a lot of, a lot of teams, what they're weighing right now is how much do we like this person enough to give up stuff, or do we want to like this person? And we probably shouldn't be giving up the stuff. And that's what I think is going to be really interesting to see. And in terms of Washington, um, how much do they actually believe 100% that they with Kyle Allen and with Heineke, I'm not going to count Alex Smith, but maybe we should. uh, How much do we actually think if we have to start a week, one game that we have enough so we don't have to panic or, Oh my Lord, we cannot go into a season with these guys. We absolutely have to get pick whichever one of these guys is interesting. Like that. It's not just Washington. This is a debate a good chunk of the league is having right now because the quarterback position is that important. (laughs) I just think it's interesting,
1: and I'm not saying it's wrong, because we really don't know enough about Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke, and it's very possible that one of them could be, when I say very possible, there's a, a possibility that one of them could become Jake DeLome or Kurt Warner. You know, that's more, that's was, more
0: possible than saying Mahomes wins six rings.
1: Yeah, but that's, you know what, I agree with that. Um, Remember, Marty Herney, you know, had Jake DeLome start, you know, in a Super Bowl. He's one of two undrafted quarterbacks to start in a Super Bowl. Kurt Warner, a Hall of Famer, is the other one. Um, But um, it's very possible Washington. I mean, I I would say right now it's 50-50 that Washington enters 2021 with Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke battling it out you know, for the starting position with the, uh, the other guy being the backup. And maybe they'll draft a younger guy, or maybe they'll add another veteran free agent, you know, somebody on the lower end. Although if you signed a Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, he comes in to start. Fitzpatrick's not looking to back anybody up anymore, um, but they just may not get th- their answer. They, they've tried. They tried on Stafford reportedly on Goff. They may try for Darnold. If he becomes available, Watson's a complete fantasy because Watson's got a no trade uh, clause. I don't think Houston's going to trade him anyway. Um, Dak, I think is a fantasy. Wentz isn't going to get traded in the division and they may not want him anyway. Um, You know, Winston's probably going to be in new Orleans. And if he isn't, you have to wonder why. I mean, we can go down the list of all of them, you know, Bridgewater may be available if Carolina, you know, gets their guy, you know, Scott Turner also keep in mind, his father never minded rolling the dice on a, a you know, a, a, a lower end quarterback. He always felt like he could coach him up. Now, he had Troy Aikman and he had Heath Schuler briefly, but he settled on Gus Verrott. You know, he wanted guys and he almost took pride in getting guys to overperform, you know, their draft position or whatever. And Norv, you know, could scheme it up offensively. You know, I I think Scott Turner in many ways feels like if he goes into next year with Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, that they'll be okay, you know, but I'm glad they're not settling for that. I'm glad that they are trying, but just because they're trying doesn't mean they'll be successful. I wish they had been successful with Stafford, but Stafford didn't want to be here and Detroit accommodated, uh, accommodated him by trading him to the place that he wanted to go, which they did not have to do. Um, Darnold interests me a lot. Carr does not. Um, Winston would interest me, but I don't think he's going to be available. Prescott obviously would interest me, but I think Dallas re-signs him. Um, you know, we could go, Mariota to me isn't, doesn't come in here to start. He comes in here to compete. Um, which, you know, you have to trade for him too, because he's under contract. Uh, the trade up in the draft for, a Justin Fields. And I know that there are at least a couple of people in the organization that are very intrigued with him in part because the reports on fields is natural leader, charismatic, has all of the intangibles. Um, plus, you know, he's got some talent, you know, but I thought he was inconsistent, even though he was brilliant in that semifinal win over Clemson when he played hurt and threw six touchdown passes Um Anyway, uh, it's going to be and it's going to be interesting. But the the guy that we know, we know for sure they were aggressive going after Stafford. So I think that there's another probably you know, at least one more attempt, if not two, at trying to add somebody here that can be the starter in 2021. Don't you think that? Let's say that
0: last part again
1: I think there t- there's at least another aggressive attempt or two oh yeah to so, try to add the, the, the 21 21 starter to, to to the roster
0: so in talking to people around the league and I'm not this is not some brag but just in terms of like just to be clear like I've probably spoken with I don't know text or phone 20 people some of them general managers some of them executives some of them agents some of them just people around the league whatever it is just to get a people sense like what do you think about this that and the other and like one, t- one you know one thing that people who are aware of what's kind of going on around the league said that washington is one of those teams is definitely in on all the conversations now again what does that mean just like with golf did they make a phone call or do they say hey we'll offer you this thing that that's a level of interest, I don't know, but yeah, I agree. And and here's the part of this, and I think this does connect a little bit to the Tampa win on some level, right? We always talk about what do you need in this league to succeed? You gotta have a quarterback, right? We get that, but what else do you need? And the line play on both ends is very important. And one thing Herney and May, you talked about um, in some of their or, 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 or initial comments is how, how important it is to build up the line. Now we understand Washington's defensive line on paper is really good because of the of the of the four guys they have now you're getting ionitis back and you watch what tampa bay did I understand Kansas City's offensive line was beat up but you still got to take advantage um, take advantage of it and they did and they were the game changer I mean if you know those guys and Todd Bowles won the game for Tampa Bay as great as as Brady was with his final number three touchdowns no picks whatever. And that's what Washington potentially can do here. They have those pieces. They obviously don't have the Devin White. That's not easy to find, but that's clearly a priority, I would imagine. And we'll see what, how they how they address that. But if you can, but at the same time, you have to put the quarterback play in position to take it to then you know put you over the top at a minimum. If it's not the leading thing, and I think that's why. And also, like things start getting expensive for them in a couple of years. I've talked. We talked about this on your radio show the other day. If by 2023, you know, half of that defensive line will either be, will have been up for not just the fifth year option, but getting an extension, Tara McLaurin interest free agency. uh, Morgan Moses comes up, like this is the window on some level while they're still cheap. And that's why I think that Rivera is looking for, for, for more. And I, w- I will say though, in talking to some folks around the league, like one, one, one GM told me he thinks that Rivera thinks that Kyle Allen is good enough if needs to. And he said he doesn't disagree with it. He actually thinks that Kyle Allen is interesting (laughs) enough to, to at least make you think, okay, I don't have to give up. Like, just to be clear, nobody's giving Philly two ones for Wentz. Nobody's giving the Raiders two ones for Carr. That's just people trying to take the Stafford trade, not uh, trying to either, they don't either don't understand what actually the Lions got back or trying to fake. That the Lions got two ones for Stafford when that was more complicated than that because they also took on Goff's situation um so th- yeah I guess the belief is uh, from this one person but that has been mine as well they Ron knows they need a better quarterback but simultaneously he's not going to say well we desperately have to do more because they think that Kyle Allen and at least Taylor Heineke exists as well could be that guy and I do think that's important to discuss when we you know, I get it. It's, it's more fun to talk about, ooh, get this quarterback, get that quarterback. Right. But there is, like you said, some reality where a, a non-zero chance, if that's the right phrasing, that Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke are the
1: guys um, at the top of the depth chart next year. Yeah, I mean, when he was on with me last week, I, I, you know, I said, look, there are some that believe you don't have to be aggressive going after a quarterback that you're just you're good with Taylor and, and Kyle you know, and potentially even Alex. And he said, well, we have to, we have to explore. We have to make sure we have to make absolutely sure we have to exhaust and investigate. So they're looking to upgrade, but um, I totally agree with you. And during the season, when they went to Kyle Allen, there was a belief that they were going to become a much better and more competent team offensively with Kyle Allen there was a genuine excitement over Allen. And I remember at the time, and I, 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 and I can't remember who it was, but there were a couple of guys that I had on, beat guys, that said, actually, this is just a bridge to when Alex is ready. I did not feel that way at the time, and I don't feel that Alex would have ever seen the field had Kyle Allen not gotten hurt. And, and Kyle Allen had continued to play – the way he had played in the first giant game and in then in the Cowboy game. And obviously that Cowboy game, the Cowboys didn't have a real quarterback on the field, but I think that there and look uh, at the end of the year, Rivera said it, Rivera was asked, you know, would you be here in the same position if Kyle Allen had started all these games? And he said, yeah, I think so. No, he, they, what,
0: what he was actually asked was, do you think this happened because of Alex Smith? He said, no. I right. think we would have still been here because of, even with Kyle Allen, yeah. like he went out so of his way it. to bring up Allen, not just it wasn't a good direct yeah. question.
1: Right. So that even even emphasizes how much they believed in Allen. Um, and, you know, and, and they also, like, there was a feeling. I remember when they went to Allen, I talked to somebody and they said, first of all, we got mobility and we need mobility. Um, secondly, we got a guy that knows the offense. Thirdly, we've got a guy that is you know, really respected in the way he works. This is huge to, to Rivera. These in the leadership, the intangibles, the, your, you know, your, your quarterback and your better players being your best workers, which is by what, uh, by the way, the reason that I think John Allen will get re-signed rather than traded or being a part of a trade, unless it's their only way to solve the quarterback is because Allen's a good player. He's also, one of the guys that Rivera consistently points to in private and in public as the guy that represents the culture he wants more as much as anybody else. And he's one of their best workers. They, they want they want quality people, quality workers, and talent. That's how you turn the culture around. So um, they believe that Kyle Allen's that. I, you know, personally, in watching Allen in a couple of games before he got hurt, I actually thought, there was some potential there, you know, I mean, clearly he knew the offense. He's also been a turnover machine before, but he wasn't necessarily this year with the exception of that fumble, terrible fumble at the end of the giant game that cost him. Um, But I do think that they would have won seven games had Kyle Allen started the rest of them and won the division. I, I, I agree with that. We actually did that, that segment on one of my radio shows long before Rivera said that, and I think a lot of people felt, no, Alex was the reason. And Alex played well and clearly the intangibles. I actually think his play at times was uh, was underrated by some uh, of our fans. I thought he was exceptional in the uh, Steelers in the game, Detroit, the
0: Lions game. He was good. The Lions
1: game, the second half of the Pittsburgh game, the Thanksgiving Day game. Um, when he was healthy, He was, I mean, it was remarkable what we were watching, considering the first moment we saw him this year against the Rams in the second half. By the way, one other quick point about Tampa and the Rams, and it just made me think of it. Washington's defense was improved this year, and the defensive front was really good. The defense was not an elite defense or a great defense, not even in the same discussion with the truly, really, truly great defenses like the one we saw last night. Tampa's defense was great. The saints had a great defense. The Rams had a great defense. You know, the bears actually, you know, the bears are one of the reasons they're desperate for a quarterback right now is because they want to take advantage of what is a pretty good defense. Um, But anyway, uh, if they add, you know, corner linebackers, another safety with that defensive front, they've got a chance to take that next step. But you know, all you got to do is see what that defense did against Tampa, um, you know, in the playoff game and then sort of weigh it against, um, you know, some of the real good defenses that we saw in the postseason.
0: I, I mean, like, like I tweeted last night, please, I beg you people, do not take a Tampa win in a blowout fashion a, a, as any indication that Washington, here we go, because you think Washington – played them close they gave up 507
1: 507 yards yards.
0: and Devin White who was arguably the best player (laughs) on the field this year, didn't play
1: get out of here with this I got the same thing and I you know I did it on the radio show and I'm going to do it on the podcast today with Cooley look you know I can't stand that conversation to begin with it's the same conversation that people had there was like three years in a row right the Giants the Packers and Somebody else where Washington owned wins over the eventual Super Bowl champion in the regular season. Uh, okay, so the F what? I mean, they were five and eleven, or they were six and ten, or whatever they were. Um, you know, they were seven and nine this year. Okay, they. I'm so glad they got all of these big time games. You know, meaningful games and a playoff game. If Todd Bowles knew anything about Taylor Heineke. And had a chance to prepare based on real tape of several games, and Devin White were in that game, the results would not have been the same. And so, and it really didn't matter anyway because they were so awful defensively with the except with the exception of D'Ron Payne and I think Curl maybe in that playoff game, that the defense was going to lose the game anyway. You know, the defense, other than Payne, their best players, had some of their worst games of the year. They got steamrolled by Brady and company to the tune of, you know, and and by the way, how many dropped, there were 507 yards and about six dropped balls, four of them or five of them by Godwin in that game. So look, first of all, they weren't the closest. Green Bay lost by five, Washington lost by eight. Um, And I don't take anything out of that other than it was such a great experience for this young football team to play in a game like that and I do think that there's some carryover when you have a young football team, that's all coming back from playing in that game. But does it mean that I think that they're like the second best team in football because, you know, they're really on the cusp. No, it does. It, I, I don't feel that way. Never even thought of it until people started to mention it. And I'm like, Oh, please stop. Well, and, you,
0: and yeah, I agree. With you. And like, to that point, like, and like people were telling me, Oh, you just, how, how dare you tell people not have hope. Mike, don't be crazy. You can have hope that they won five of their last seven games. You can have hope that Chase Young and Antonio Gibson and all that are on their rookie deals and and, and have significant potential. That's the hope. Like, right. The NFL, at the end of the day, each game is a three hour window of time. Now, over time, if you consistently come on top, come out on top. And you, and you perform well, then we can get an assessment of you. But if you just have moments here and there or you look sort of interesting, whatever, but to the point of Washington playing Tampa Bay, you're ignoring where Tampa Bay's mindset is. You think Tampa Bay mentally walked in there and go, oh boy, we have to be 100% focused at all times because we, we fear Taylor Heineke, get out of here. But if you play in, a, let's say in an NBA series, LeBron James could be facing whoever the eight seed is that year. Like, you know, some team it's like 10 games under 500 he still has to win four out of seven. You can't sleepwalk essentially through an entire series, then the next one, then the next one. You all actually have to show up and play hard, uh, eventually no matter who the opponent is. So I'm just saying there's too many variables. Don't do that. And and again, you dismiss the actual things to be positive about. When you throw out that level of of silliness, it's just, it drives me, uh, it drives me insane.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you could you could flip it around and say, well, that's great. But we were also the last team that the Carolina Panthers beat or the last team that Seattle beat before they lost their regular season finale. And then the playoff game, I, actually, I think they won their regular season finale, whatever. The, the point is, is that these are th- like you said, the, the, you know, in any given, you know, on any given night or day, the NFL is so wacky. Anything can happen. Um, There's nothing about that playoff game that says to me or, or that playoff game and then Tampa's subsequent run to the Super Bowl that says to me that Washington's any closer to being elite than I felt at the end of that game. I think there are a lot of encouraging signs. I was intrigued by Heineke. I think he's the number one reason they even had a chance in that game, if you want to call it a chance, which they did. They had the ball down five. Uh, twice in the second half, didn't do anything with it, and then had it down eight, um, you know, at the end, and couldn't, you know, uh, couldn't do anything with it. But still, his performance was intriguing. I loved it. He also got hurt in the game. Uh, He's started in three games. He's been hurt in all three of them. They have to improve in a lot of different areas, and they've got, to, they, they have to have their quarterback answer. If that quarterback answer exists on the roster right now, that would be great. I personally wouldn't wager on that. Um, but, uh, that would be better for them, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, I just, I never under, you know, it's one thing if they were 11 and five and they had this incredible overtime divisional round playoff game against Tampa and everybody sort of recognized, recognized it as the de facto NFC championship game. And then they went on to blow out whoever they played in the end. That's different. You know, Washington was seven and nine. This was a wild card game against a team that had no idea what Taylor Heineke was and was without their best player pound for pound on defense.
0: And by the way, like people, because I tweeted this last night, Kelvin Harmon tweeted some version of what I didn't want fans to tweet something like you're seeing what's happening here. And we, you know, what we did to look out. I don't give a crap what the players and the coach think. it's their life. If they're encouraged by it. Great. That's, yeah that's sure. that, that's 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 completely different what they think as the people who are actually in it versus the, those of us on the outside who while yes that people are emotionally attached to their team should be able to look at it with some perspective because it's not your life you know yeah. if i get encouragement from this interview with kevin i think i did a great job and from you that did. leads me to better interviews going forward regardless of what the reality is that does that's all that matters that is far different anyway it just people drive me crazy Um, well it's
1: it's uh, you know it's also the um it's sort of the 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 environment that we're in now it's the old john wooden like when you are coaching or you are mentoring for every criticism there needs to be four compliments that was always wooden's thing when he was coaching for every for for constructive criticism to actually be realized heard and realized you needed four constructive compliments, you know, real, not fake or phony, but real. And it's like, uh, that's not our job. I mean, we're not coaches or mentors to this team and the fans, if they want to feel like that was a big notch, like a big compliment to the team that they only, that they played Tampa. So, so close. That's great. But to your point, I hope the players think that I want them to feel legitimately like they're close now, the odds are out on next season. I can tell you that the, the Vegas handicappers don't think it meant much. Washington is tied for the third worst odds in the entire NFL to win the Super Bowl, um, tied for the third worst odds to win the NFC Championship. Both the Cowboys and the Eagles, the Eagles have better odds to win the Super Bowl next year than, than Washington. And what that speaks to really is, no quarterbacks is solution right now. The expectation that Dak will be there. Um, I don't know what they think about Philadelphia's quarterback situation, um, but um, also a schedule. That's not just a first place schedule, but it's a first place schedule of elite quarterbacks like murderers row. When it comes to quarterbacks next year, it's amazing the quarterbacks that if they're healthy and upright, when Washington plays them, they're going to have to face Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, And uh, Justin Herbert in the AFC and the NFC, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady um, and um, forgetting somebody, Matt Ryan and, you know, potentially Dak twice. If you consider Dak to be a good quarterback, it is quite the, you know, on paper challenge
0: um all true i know i need to to get you out of here so just lastly so okay so we know the quarterback discussion will be going on up you know until until it doesn't when that may not be until free agency starts maybe not even until the draft if they you know nothing works out and they start looking at the mac joneses of the world or whatever what's what's the other thing like i mean obviously brandon scherf is is a topic but again that's free you know maybe we'll have a maybe we'll have hints and and news but in theory that's still a ways a ways off what, what do you think is going to be you can't talk about quarterback all the time what's the next thing what what's the you you have to fill a lot of air time so what's the other thing I mean, Ryan Kerrigan to me is not a topic Ronald Darby I think is is very interesting and and I think he may be tougher to sign than, than people think because the cornerback market's not that great but he's not gonna you know whatever what what, what do you think what what's, what 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 should we be talking about even if it's not about ratings or whatever just like what's the big thing we all should be talking about or will be talking about
1: Well, I mean, the reality is, is that they did improve significantly from last year. There's, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel with respect to their young talent on the defensive line, Gibson and McLaurin in particular, but they still have a lot of holes. You know, I think Rivera really wants his middle linebacker. Um, Micah Parsons is a tremendous talent, whether or not the, you know, the due diligence will produce something that keeps them interested is is another conversation altogether um i think they need another receiver you know that could come at 19 overall um i you know i'm going to be interested to see what this offseason produces in terms of feedback we get on sadiq charles if they actually think he is you know the left tackle of the future obviously got hurt in in the very first play i think that he played this year um you know, I talked to him. I said, give me, give me a, pl- uh, you know, some players that you think really have a chance to take a massive next step. I'm paraphrasing. And he mentioned a couple of people. He mentioned, first of all, he thinks Gibson's the real deal and is going to take even another big step next year, which, you know, I think they think Gibson's almost like a little bit of a McCaffrey or, you know, just a true weapon. And I think we saw that at times. I think that they are very excited about Cole Holcomb. Kevin, I, his... took,
0: I took notes. He said Gibson, Holcomb, James Ed. Smith-Williams, exactly. Cam Sims, and then he sort of threw McLaurin in, in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we know about McLaurin, but I thought the James Smith-Williams thing was interesting because, first of all, he's a defensive end. Um, secondly, he was the seventh-round pick. Thirdly, he got an inordinate number of snaps in the second half of the season you know, based on the expectation that I think we would have all had. They clearly liked him and they got him into the game and he's big and he's long, you know, in sort of a a similar way to sweat. Um, But the Holcomb thing, I think we've all seen flashes of that, you know, he can really run and the Gibson thing. Yeah. I mean, he looked like a true weapon that they've got a chance to, you know, utilize here. Um, It would be great for them to add a true second, you know, playmaker at receiver you know uh, uh, whatever you think of logan thomas they're not going to get kyle pitts in the draft and they're probably not going to add a lot uh tight end wise in terms of a, a guy that's going to jump over logan thomas but i think you know an Allen robinson or you know um uh a kenny galladay who might end up in la or may stay in detroit uh or if they end up drafting somebody i mean you know the the, the real good guys like chase and Devonte smith and waddle probably aren't going to be there, but a guy like Kadarius, Tony might be, he was, he just looked the part as a slot, you know, miniature version, poor man's version, if you will, of Tariq Hill, you know, at Florida. I mean, he was incredible. Um, You know, they're going to have a chance. They've got all that cap space, but you know, the cap space is interesting because we, we always talk about, you know, whenever they've had cap space, I still think in the league, players look at dc and they don't look at it the way we're looking at it now which is much more optimistically than maybe a year ago you know so you still have to get them to want to come here and here's the thing about quarterback if you can get the quarterback now you've got a better chance of getting free agents to come here without the quarterback if you go into next year with kyle and taylor and alex even if you believe in them or believe in the situation hard to attract free agents with that lineup.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one sense you get talking to people around the league is the Rivera people do, you know, I think we know how to sense this, but people do like Rivera and want to want to be with him, play with him, what have you, but it is still, even with that, it is still hard to overcome the, the initial perception of it, of this organization and one seven and nine season, even with the playoff appearance, it's not going to change change that overnight. But you know, that's why I think guys like Chase Young are so important because it does help, you know, reshape who you think of with this place, uh, Rivera as well, Alex Smith, at least for the moment as well. Uh it takes more than just one year, but at least there's some some of that uh for sure. Um, I know I need to let you go to go do your own things. Uh, I appreciate it. Um obviously you go listen to Kevin on the Team 980. Uh go 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 listen to the podcast, uh the Kevin Sheehan show. Anything else uh, we need to mention you got no, to I would go. just
1: tell everybody because I finally got to it this weekend, the whole interview. I, if people haven't listened to your interview with Jay Gruden, it's definitely worth it on your podcast. Um, and, um, and the uh, you're doing a great job with your pod uh, overall. I mean, it's great, but the interview with Gruden is definitely worth the listen. So there you go. You promoted me. I promoted you, but they're already listening to you. So they probably already heard it, but what you'll learn about the podcast, Ben, Is Not everybody listens to every minute of every show, so continue to promote some of the shows you did before, um, because not everybody knows that you did that one um, when they're listening to this one, if they are, Um, but uh, you know you're one of my favorites, and um, I appreciate coming on.
0: Thanks, man. uh, We we will talk soon, Uh, who knows, maybe even by tomorrow in some form. We, We will see. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it.
1: You will be on my radio show tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Thanks so much. See ya.
0: All right. Many thanks to Kevin Sheehan for his time. Uh, Interesting conversation as always, whenever I talk to Kevin, um, you know, I enjoy people who, who think whether I agree with their opinions or not, you know, put some thought into it, give it, give us some explanation why they think that not just sort of randomness off the top of their head or, um, you know sort of just going with you know going with the flow like you know we can all do that you know, you want you want to spend your time on these kind of things on the radio the podcast or just in life with people who are you know sort of make you think and and and, and uh i think that's always a good thing so kevin does that that's why you, you listen to him on nine on the team 980 and listen to his podcast uh for for sure um that's going to do it for this episode of the standing room only podcast back with more episodes this week. Like I said, if you need a fill, you can check out all the array of, of, of shows we've had um, in recent, uh, in recent weeks. If you're a wizards person, plenty there for you to chew on as well. And obviously for the Washington football team, there's lots of those um, for sure. I look forward to reading some of those uh, emails. If you anybody sends me about either from a mailbag perspective or possibly doing a, a zoom with listeners, uh, again be standing at the athleticcom and speaking of the athletic make sure you check out the site I definitely appreciate everybody who subscribes um, and, and and engages over there but that's it for now here on the standard room only podcast Ben Standig signing off until next time see you